are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering online. Please go to www.hopechurchguildford.com for more details. We look forward to getting to know you. Hello, good morning and welcome to Hope Church. My name is Chris and I get the pleasure of serving in the church by leading our leadership team. Let me ask you a question as we start today. Are you at peace? Are you at peace? Is the underlying bedrock of your life one of peace? I'm not talking about not having emotions that go up and down, but it's just your kind of steady foundation underneath it all, underneath the the storms of life and the trials. Is it one of peace? You know, a large study in the UK recently found that 85% of adults regularly experience stress. And there was five different main causes. The first one being money, then work, then health. Then it was the amount of sleep that people have. And fifthly, it was household chores. And another council, the Sleep Council, found that four out of five adults regularly get disturbed or inadequate sleep. 50% get less than six hours a night and all of that produces hormone imbalances and it, it can fuel junk food habits and alcohol drinking habits. It can also make us less productive and less patient. It reduces our brain functions and affects our decision making. All of this stress can decrease the amount of peace that we have in our lives. And so this morning, as we gather as hope, church a key value to us is the bible the bible tells us that god's word is living and active and it can speak to us today about the hope that can be found in god and the peace that surpasses all understanding and all pandemics and all health issues and all trials you know in this current season of the coronavirus outbreak in the face of potential job loss and income loss and in the face of bereavement God is able to fill you with peace, with a foundation of peace that runs through the core of your being, through whatever situations that you might find yourself in. And so this morning I've entitled my talk Attaining Peace and it comes right out of Daniel chapter 6, which we're going to read the whole chapter in a moment. Over the past five chapters we've been introduced to Daniel and his three friends called Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. These guys have been exiled from their home by the Babylonian Empire and King Nebuchadnezzar. And more recently, the Babylonians have been overruled by King Darius and the Medes and the Persians. And you know what? Throughout all these times, they've seen lots of unexpected circumstances and they have shown us how to trust in God. With the whole coronavirus pandemic being an unexpected circumstance they have shown us how to have faith in a real world our series title and so as we step into chapter six it's a well-known passage of Daniel being in the lion's den but far from Daniel being a, a young man that we can sometimes imagine actually he's in his 70s now We have seen him going from around a 20 year old in chapter one through to his 70s and his faith has not wavered throughout it all. Sometimes it can be easier to picture something like this. 
of Daniel and the Lions Den, a young man reading stories and bedtime stories to the lions and feeding them milk. But that was far from the truth. No, these lions, they weren't tame. They were ferocious beasts used to eating people for their dinner. And Daniel, like I said, he's in the older generation and the certainty of death for him is was there for everyone to see. And yet Daniel had extraordinary peace. Let's read the chapter and see how we can find out how he attained this peace. Chapter six, verse one. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisers and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that a king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God. Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. 
My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of the kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Well, throughout the story, did you spot the differences between Darius and Daniel? Darius, um, when he learns that Daniel was going to go to the lion's den in verse 14, it says that he was greatly distressed and does everything in his power to try to solve the situation. He's scrambling around trying to do the best he can to save Daniel. Whereas Daniel, on the other hand, when he hears in verse 10, he goes upstairs and he prays. He gives thanks and he worships God. He goes to the one he knows who's worth it and can do something about it. During the night, Darius, it tells us in verse 18, he doesn't eat. He can't sleep. He doesn't have any entertainment and he's in great distress. And he's probably wondering, have I done the right things? Could I have done more to save Daniel? In the morning, it would have been four or five a.m. We, we hear that he goes out, he hurries out and, and in an anguished voice calls out, Daniel, has your God served, saved you? Daniel, on the other hand, though, in the morning, when the king calls to him, verse 22, he tells us that, yeah, I'm still here. It's, it's all right. The, the angel came, he sorted out the lines. It's all good. Daniel even has it in him to respond to the king in, in a formal way. And so starts his sentence. May the king live forever. The sense of peace that Daniel has isn't based on the present circumstance or situation that he finds himself in. But it's on that deep foundation of life that he has. It's not just about maintaining the peace that's kind of already in society or in his life. But he is able to attain a peace right from the outset. And it's a good question to ask. How do we attain peace? How is it that Daniel, in the midst of exile, in the midst of an execution order, in the face of trials, with the persecution of his faith, when there's a potential loss of job, loss of income, loss of status, when he's being thrown into the lion's den, how does he attain peace and have it in his life? That's what we're going to look at. And there's four things, I suggest, four Ps where it doesn't come from. It doesn't come from political power. King Darius could write decrees here and there. He was the highest authority in the land. He was the, the king of the Medes and Persian kingdom. And he, Daniel held high office as well, actually, under several different rulers. And we know that in verse three, King Darius was going to appoint him over all the advisors, which would have made him the prime minister. And yet that doesn't seem to be Daniel's source of strength. And certainly political power and prowess doesn't help Darius. 
You know, it's so easy to look at the political situation going on in our country and around the world and have fear for what the future might bring. Yet Daniel knew that his source of peace did not ultimately lie at the feet of any government. He knew that no earthly kingdom is eternal. And so ultimately, no earthly kingdom is a foundation for peace. It's good to do politics. It's important to vote. And certainly the Bible encourages us to pray for our leaders and those in authority. But political power, political prowess will never be a basis for ultimate peace. And you know what? This is really good news. If you are someone who's living in a bad political regime, do you know, even you can know the peace that comes from God Almighty and have that foundation layer in your life. And perhaps you, you're worrying, you're struggling with how uh, our politicians are perhaps dealing with the coronavirus or Brexit or any other issues. Well, do you know what? You also don't need to be in anguish. Actually, you can know a peace that surpasses all understanding. Peace ultimately doesn't come from political power or prowess. It also doesn't come from positive thinking. This is certainly something that I can do a lot is to be in denial and try to think positively. Certainly Daniel didn't do that when he was given the execution order. He didn't think, oh, it would be all right and kind of be in denial. He's not really going to do it, is he? No, actually, he faced the facts. He took him to his God and he prayed. He gave him to God. He wasn't in denial. He, he didn't just positively think that it's going to be all, all right in the end. No, he faced it and took it to the one place which he knew would be the right place to take it. Thirdly, he didn't, his peace didn't come from a sense of promotion. And so like just like money doesn't kind of bring peace, you know, um, neither does promotion. Neither do, does our status in society, society. Certainly it wasn't Daniel, what Daniel was relying on. He didn't march into the king's court and demand him to repeal the decree. He didn't stand there saying, well, don't you know who I am? You know, I've served lots of different rulers and, and I've done this and here's my certificate and this is all the things I've done. He didn't do that. We know that he was going to be promoted to the prime minister. That's what Darius had planned for him. And yet he didn't take his job title as a thing to be um, secure in. No, he knew that who he was at his core being wasn't his status or his bank balance or his social status or promotional status. Who he was was a child of God. And so he took the problem to his father. And then the fourth P is prosperity. It's like money. The Sunday Times rich list comes out regularly and we can look at that and we can look to people on that list and think, well, if I could just be like them, if I had their money, then my life would be better. Then I'd be at peace. Then I'd be secure and, and content. Yet Darius had all the wealth of the Medes and the Persians who had recently taken over the Babylonian Empire, which was vast. It was all at his fingertips. Yet he was in distress and turmoil. It's funny that in the study I mentioned earlier, money was the number one thing that causes the greatest stress in the UK. Often we can think that if I just had a bit more money, then my problems would ease in some way. But I think P. Diddy got it right when he said, mo money, mo problems. Daniel learned to be content when he had lots and learned to be content when he had little. So that when it was all gone, well, it, it didn't really make a difference because his peace was never in those material things to begin with. Peace 
his peace wasn't wrapped up in the gifts that he had, but it was wrapped up in the giver. So if it's not those four things that peace comes from, well, what is it? Let me suggest that this passage leads us to three other P's where it does come from. First of all, Daniel remembers God's promises. It wasn't a random thing that Daniel uh, did when he went upstairs to pray towards Jerusalem. In 1 Kings chapter 8, we see King Solomon finishing building the temple, prophetically looking out to a time when perhaps his people might be taken into exile. And he prays this. He prays, if they turn back and pray towards the land that you gave your ancestors and towards the city you have chosen and the temple that I have built, then from heaven, God, would you hear their prayer and their plea and uphold their cause and forgive your people? Daniel knows God keeps his promises. And do you know what? He knows the God of Abraham and Sarah, who even though their bodies were as good as dead, gave them a child. He knows the promise that he gave to Noah when he sent the, sent the rainbow and declared that he keeps his promises and doesn't um, go against them. He remembers the God who led his people out of Egypt and the many other things that God has done. And so even though the 70 years that Jeremiah prophesied of exile had passed, he continues to pray because he knows God's promises and he trusts in him. He trusts in God's timing. So even though it feels like it's taken an age for, for God to come through on it, actually he's trusting that God's timing is perfect. How did Daniel know God's promises? It's because he knew scripture. He knew Solomon's prayer and he was able to act on it. When we read the Bible, we learn God's promises. And rather than making up our own and, and sort of complaining to God because we don't have more money or, or better health or whatever, actually we, we read the Bible and realise, oh no, these are the things that God has really promised me. When we read it, we know what he's promised and then we know how to pray. When the captors came and to get Daniel and to throw him into the lion's den, he could have thought, God has not answered my prayer because now I'm facing the thing that I thought he was going to save me from. But God's purpose was not to save Daniel from the trials, but it was to save Daniel through the trials. Let me say that again. God's purpose was not to save Daniel from the trials, but to save Daniel through the trials. God seems rarely to reveal himself to people by saving them from hardship. Much more commonly, he reveals people when they're in the hardship that they're facing. After all, that fits in with all the promises that we know about in the Bible. When he promises never to leave us or forsake us, that fits with that. When he promises that he will turn all things to good for those who love him, that fits with that. It fits with 1 John 1 when he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. It fits with Isaiah 41 when he says, I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. It fits with Isaiah 54 when he says, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord. And it fits with Philippians when he says, and my God will meet all your needs, not your wants, but all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. 
When we read scripture, we get to know God's promises. And when we know God's promises, we know what to pray into because it leads us into a firm foundation of peace. And so that first P is his promises. And as I've sort of alluded to, that leads us to prayer. Daniel knew God's promises and so headed home to pray. And when he went home to pray, he prayed out of three things. He prayed out of his relationship with God. He had a relationship with him. And so even in the midst of this execution order, he can't think of anywhere else to go. Whereas Darius thinks, how can I solve this problem? Daniel thinks, how can God? I'm going to go to God with all of this in prayer. And so he knows God and he has a relationship with God. And he knows that God is able to do even the impossible. And so he takes it there out of his relationship that he's been building over years. And that relationship has, has come out of his routine, which is the second thing that we see him doing. Daniel, he prays three times a day. And the, ver the verse actually mentions that it's just as he had done before. It's not like he got into this trouble and then started praying three times a day. He's always prayed three times a day. It's because he's got a relationship with him. And that routine of praying three times a day um, has just meant that he's got used to regularly seeking God, giving thanks to him and worshipping him. I wonder what's your routine? Daniel didn't do that out of some kind of religious duty. He did that because that was just what he wanted to do. Maybe yours is in the morning. Maybe it's in the evening. Maybe it is three times a day at, at the meal times. I don't know. But relationship and routine certainly helped him. And finally, recognition. He recognised that God holds the whole world in his hands, including his whole lot, own life. And so he comes before God, recognising, being thankful and worshipping him because he is the God of abundance. He is the God of all creation. He's the God of everything. And so out of his relationship and out of his routine and out of his recognition of all God has, he comes and prays. He prays on the promises. He prays facing Jerusalem and he seeks God. And those three things, you know what they lead to? They lead to the third which is praise and so he praises God but not only himself but other people around him at the end we see Darius praising God and he says this he is the living God and he endures forever his kingdom will not be destroyed his dominion will never end he rescues and he saves he performs signs and wonders in heavens and on the earth you know when we trust in God's promises that leads us to pray and when we pray, we, that leads us to praise him because we don't look at our own situation, but we look at God and his magnificent glory and wonder and majesty. And when we do that, others look on and they see our routine, our relationship and this recognition that we have for our saviour. And that leads them to praise too, just like it led Darius to as well. I kind of want to end by saying this, that it might be easy for you so far in this talk to kind of think that right what I now need to do is I need to pray more and praise more and, and actually I would say the first thing you need to do is none of those things you know all of us would will go through trials and certainly we are at the moment but Daniel was not spared because he was somehow special and you know what you are not special either Daniel means God is my judge. 
And God judged Daniel in verse 22. Daniel says, they have not heard me. He is saying, I was spared. And the reason he gives is because I was found innocent in his sight. We are not found innocent in God's sight by daring to be like Daniel. We are found innocent by putting our trust in Jesus. You know, the whole Bible is all about Jesus. It points Every aspect of it points to Jesus and certainly this passage does as well. Let me show you why. Just like Daniel, Jesus was accused by his enemies of doing wrong. Just like Daniel, Jesus was brought before his ruler, Pontius Pilate. Just like Daniel's ruler, Darius tried to deliver Daniel from the punishment, but ultimately bow down to the pressure of of the other um, advisors. Jesus's ruler Pontius Pilate also tried to save Jesus from the punishment but ultimately bowed down to the pressure of the Pharisees and ended up washing his hands of the execution order just like Daniel um, like Daniel Jesus sorry was condemned to die and his body was also placed in a tomb and it was sealed with a stone rolled over it so that it could not be changed by human intervention You know, Jesus, however, he didn't just suffer the threat of death like Daniel did. No, Jesus actually died. For Daniel, the angel appeared on that night and kept him safe. For Jesus, the angel appeared after three days to roll away the stone. Like Daniel, the heavenly judgment, though, on Jesus was you are innocent in God's sight. And so Jesus, having died for our sins and not his own, was proclaimed innocent. And because of that, God raised him from the dead and declared that he was not guilty. And so the words were the same over Jesus as they were of Daniel. You have not been hurt because you were innocent in God's sight. And when Daniel came out of the lions, then he came alone. But when Jesus came out of the grave, do you know what? He brought the seal of the Holy Spirit, that whoever puts their trust in him would know that resurrection hope that death is not the end, that this is not all that you see, that there is more to life than this. And that the verdict on your life will be exactly the same as Daniel's. Not guilty, innocent, you may go free. Salvation does not rest on your ability to dare to be like Daniel, but solely rests on Christ's perfect obedience in your place. When you put your trust in Jesus, that leads you to remember his promises, which leads you to pray, which leads you to praise him, knowing that it was all wrapped up in Jesus anyway. But Daniel doesn't just point us to Jesus, but he also points us to final judgment. As his name screams out, God is my judge. The Bible tells us that one day Jesus will return and he will judge the living and the dead. And when he does that, he will not separate us out into groups by race or groups by economic status or home ownership status or relationship status or um, criminal record status or health status. No, we will be one group and the verdict on that whole group will be guilty as charged. But a line will be drawn through that group. And part of that group will have to pay for the judgment of their own sin. 
the verdict being death. Punishment by death, separation from God. The other part of that group, though guilty, though sinful, will have their sins paid by someone else, Jesus' blood. And the verdict on their lives will be innocent, justified, forgiven, set free. Ultimately, the only way to have peace in this life is to put your trust in Jesus. Knowing that on the final day, the verdict over your life will be the same as it was for Daniel. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Ultimately, every single one of us will say, God is my judge. So I asked at the beginning, are you at peace? Is the bedrock of your life one of peace? Jesus said these wonderful words, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Bible says, cast your burdens onto Jesus because he cares for you. You know, there are wonderful and amazing promises that God will never leave you or forsake you. Wonderful promises of him holding your hand whilst you go through the trials and the struggles of life. Helping you to know a peace that surpasses all understanding throughout all the different trials. Trusting that God will save and rescue you, not from the trials necessarily, but through them. That peace is amazing and it's one that I pray that every single one of us can know deep in our lives because there's wonderful hope to be known in him, wonderful hope to be found in him. And, you know, as we get ready to press on to the next few chapters, we're going to hear more and more about the glorious hope that can be found in a future with our Heavenly Father, God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for the words that we've read today. Thank you, Lord God, that in you we can know an ultimate peace, a firm foundation. We can know, Lord God, your presence with us daily, even when we go through tough times. So, Lord, we just want to say sorry when we seek to put our trust in the wrong things for our peace and our security. And Lord, right now, We're choosing to put our trust in you. Help us to do that every day. Help us to know your presence in our lives. Fill us with your spirit, I pray. In your heavenly name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're meeting online every Sunday at 10am. Head to hopechurchguildford.com for more information. We look forward to seeing you.